everyone. I'm here with Kirsty from School of Facilitation. Kirsty, why don't you give everyone a bit of an intro to what you've done and what you're doing now? Um, hi, everyone. Um, so my business is called the School of Facilitation. Um, and the reason I started the School of Facilitation was purely for me in the first instance in that I have been a facilitator and trainer for the last 10 years. And three years ago, it became really apparent that, you know what? It can be quite lonely doing associate work or even working on your own thing. And I recognise that I work better when I'm with a group of people. So initially I didn't have a name for the business, but I started breakfast meetings in London where I just invited lots of facilitators and trainers to come along. And those have now morphed into gatherings. The other thing I've really valued personally is always growing and developing myself. And I just think if you are a really good trainer, facilitator or coach, you invest as much time in yourself as you do with your clients. So the other thing I'm really passionate about is how you design learning and how you deliver learning. And I think there's a space for us all as facilitators and trainers and coaches to learn how to do that effectively. Mm. So that's what I started and that's where the School of Facilitation came from. And she's three years old, so she's still very young and new. And we work with corporates and we also work the majority of the time with my peer group, my people who do what I do as well, mm. who have a passion maybe for a subject like leadership or coaching or selling skills or marketing and are sharing that internally with big corporations. Cool. Really fun stuff. It I know is. from experience. <laughs> um, so when we talked about doing this podcast, because there's a lot I think you can talk about in, in line with training, facilitation, and also you you know, get exposure to so many different types of teams. Um, but what we thought would be really useful in this episode was to talk about meetings. Um, we all know the adage, death by meetings. I know I've been in many companies, large and small, old and young, that just default to, well, let's have a meeting about it. And God knows the amount of time we all spend in poorly designed, uh, poorly executed meetings mm -hmm. um, that end up being just such an energy suck. And yeah. Um, not a lot actually gets done. Um, and as managers take on responsibility of teams, one of their big roles is to facilitate, design, and lead meetings. Yes. So what we're going to talk about today is actually how do you take those um, facilitator training kind of hybrid and apply that as a manager into meeting settings. Yes. So um, do you want to kick off with some, you know, good, good pro tips for, yeah. for managers? So I was thinking back to the time where I was in team meetings in a corporation and I think I experienced one of two types of meetings. So I thought I'd describe them both mm -hmm. and then you'll be obvious which one we're going to talk about. <laughs> so there were times where I was called into a team meeting um, and these would often happen on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis and this was an opportunity for the director or the manager of the team to basically bring us all together, create some team spirit. And what would often happen is it would become a download of information because I was in sales, so often it was about how we were performing, what needed to happen, what we needed to do differently, what was working well. But it was a download. There was very much a tell style from mm. the manager or the leader who was running the meeting. The responsibility for the meeting was totally on this one person. So they were running around doing everything from setting up the meeting, getting the meeting rooms, um, sorting out lunch maybe, through to all the content of what was gonna happen on the day. 
often the meeting would overrun so people then start to get irritated that the timings weren't being honored um the group participation i think everyone was really intelligent and capable and curious but after a while they well we i should say would behave like small children and just because we were rebelling so our energy levels went low and people would start to disengage mm. so that was one type of meeting there were then other managers who i worked for and they just had a really great capability to to give us that time and the space to connect as a team they would make the meetings engaging they had a real purpose and we had a real reason to be there um it was often about working on new ideas or building on ideas for the future so a lot of collaboration as we'd call it now uh, there was sharing of success even some of the meetings are used to build skills and capabilities so like an hour or 90 minutes we'd put to one side to do a skill build oh neat and then the leader would arrange for us to do some exercises relevant to what we we were going to be doing maybe in the next quarter and what that created was the team wanted to be there we were all quite enthusiastic about the opportunity and also there was loads of energy and presence in the room and so as you may guess the bit I want to talk about is how do you create the second type of meeting or the latter whereby you as the manager don't take everything on your shoulders and you are creating a space that your team want to be in mm. and are finding it useful rather than a oh I've got to come to the team meeting because if I don't show up yeah so I think any manager that tends to maybe get last minute, I can't come, uh, you might not know it, but you're probably meeting, maybe. Uh, running meeting A. Maybe, um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think you know, you get that level of engagement and energy when there's a perceived sense of value. Yes. And I think that's the important thing that managers need to remember. It's not necessarily about how much information I give out. It's how much value can I create in that yeah, time. definitely. And often we've got to remember the meeting isn't just about us the manager yeah there might be another nine ten people in the room as well so how do you bring them into the conversation and the whole meeting yeah exactly okay so let's go into kind of your views on what makes you know an engaging and, and valuable meeting so i had five areas yeah uh that we're going to talk about one is your preparation the second is time the third is environment the fourth is you and then the fifth is around some activities. Cool. So, preparation. Um, you can't run a monthly or quarterly meeting without an element of preparation. Mm -hmm. Even if you use the same agenda every time, that's okay. But you've got to give some thought behind what is happening in that agenda. So, one of the very first things I talk to people about is, what do you want to achieve on the day? What are the outcomes that if you're standing at 5.30, 5 o'clock, and you're looking backwards, what are people saying? What are they doing? How are they feeling? How are they thinking? And being really clear on those outcomes, and there might be only three or four, but without those, you won't have a sense of direction and where you need to get to. So there are three different groups you can think about when you're creating outcomes. So one is your business. So you may have some key business outcomes that have to happen on that time. You might be having to impart some information. There might be a sales update. You might be having a cultural change. You might be doing a new brand launch, but there might be a key business outcome that happens. Secondly, you need to think about what are the outcomes for your team? 
So you, as the manager and leader, you may be thinking about how are you working together as a team or how are you performing? So what are the team outcomes? And then finally, think about the outcomes for the individual in the room. What are they going to get as a result of being with you for the one hour, the three hours, the five hours? Mm-hmm. So really be clear on those as they're going to set, they're going to be your compass to get you through yeah. the time you have with your team. Yeah, and I, I think as you just said, this isn't. This is appropriate for fifteen minute meetings as it is for oh, yeah. you know fifteen hour meetings. Um, preparation is key. I think a lot of people walk into meetings quite blindly. Yeah. Uh, and and don't think about what actually is the outcome that I want from this. I might go in with three or five three to five outcomes, which is an unrealistic use yeah. of time. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a great point around preparation and and really thinking about you know what what would good look like. And we don't. And a lot of people, some businesses have a real culture where you rush from meeting to meeting to meeting. Yeah. And your meetings are put in your diary for you and you don't even know why you're going to the meeting. Yeah. So part of the preparation as well, depending on what your meeting is, you might want to be really clear with people as to what's their role in the meeting. Very true, yeah. Are they there for, uh, to learn something? Are Mm. they there to be delivering some information? Do they need to make a decision? Um... Are they a gatekeeper to something? But yeah. tell them why they're there, especially if it's a more of an information-orientated meeting. Yeah, and I think when we talk about learning styles, some people really need that time to digest yes. information. And I know I've fallen into the trap of going, you know, here's an idea, what do you think? And some people need time in advance to actually think about yes. it. And they can't <laughs> articulate how they feel until they've left the meeting and then you've lost the window. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think thinking of both the attendee and the yes. leader is important. Um, okay, so what? let's move on to number two. Which is time. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about a meeting, you've got to respect how much time you've got and also what are the outcomes you're looking to achieve. So let's just take an example of you've got a full day meeting that you're working with your team. So some top tips are this. Start with a blank sheet of paper, write the start time down of your meeting and write the finish time down. If it's a full day, what time are you having lunch and for how long? This then starts to show you physically how much time you have in the morning and then in the afternoon. From there, be realistic. People will need a toilet break. (laughs) Also, if you are working in certain countries, the culture for cigarette breaks is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, people may need a comfort. You just need comfort breaks. So mm-hmm. put them in. Then the next thing to do is take lots of post-it notes and brain dump all those key topics or subjects that you are going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And they will be based on your outcomes that you've written down. So now you can start moving those post-it notes around that will help you start to see your flow of your day. Things to be aware of. No one has ever delivered a business update in 10 minutes. So be realistic. It takes time to share information. And you are working with adults, not children. So adults often want to have a discussion. Yeah. So you need to factor time in. So that's one thing. Secondly as well, if you state that the finish time is five o'clock, the finish time is five Mm o'clock. Because you will find that people will plan their lives around meetings and finish times. And if you don't respect that, you will lose the trust of your team and it'll just create a small unconscious behaviour yeah. that they bring with them next time. Yeah. So those are just some two things to think about 
mm. and how to chunk your time when designing a meeting. So I have a question because it was one of my biggest learnings when I started to facilitate. Um, I think when you start out, you can feel quite controlling of your agenda. Mm -hmm. And I remember at one point I was with a group or with my team and we got to something really, really good. And the conversation went deep and they were opening up and we were going over time. Um, Pun pun intended. Um, We were running over time. Um, and not at the time of the meeting, but at the time of the session that mm. I had planned, which would have meant that either the meeting would have overrun or I would have to move out one of the other exercises later in yeah. the day. What would you recommend to do in those cases? Do you stop the conversation or do you just reshuffle the agenda? I would reshuffle the agenda. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, one of my secrets that I think all good facilitators and trainers know is you never put timings against against an agenda mm. and send that out to the wider group and the reason for that is your example because somebody in the room will be a sort of time control freak yeah. and they will print out the agenda <laughs> and suddenly there will be an unconscious tutting going on or yeah. looking at watches yeah. by certain individuals and then you notice that so what's really good at the start of any meeting especially a long day meeting is share what is the flow of the day mm-hmm. uh what are the times of breaks but you don't have to then put exact timing against all the different topics that right. you were going to talk about because then that gives you the flexibility to make space where you find that you've hit a rich vein of conversation and you just know that it's more powerful to do that yeah also the group don't know what they don't know mm mm-hmm. So guess what? They wouldn't have known that they were meant to have done an exercise with you at three o'clock, which you've now taken out. Only right. you know that. Right. So that's okay. So keep that quiet. Yeah. Good. Keep the keep the exact timings. Yeah. And activities kind of yeah. to yourself. Yeah, I think that's good insight. But you can have the big topics. Yeah. And, and then you, I guess you can always say at the end, you know, we wanted to spend more time on this topic, but we can reschedule for another meeting instead of going over. I wouldn't even do that. They wouldn't even know. <laughs> Trust me. Unless someone asks me explicitly, I don't ever draw... I don't draw attention to it. Yeah. Because if I draw attention to it, then people will ask me about it. Right. Interesting. Good Good insight. <laughs> um, okay, number three. Number three is about your environment. Mm-hmm. So let's be really clear. We are not little moles who <laughs> love darkness. And I'm sure we've all maybe had an experience where we've been to a conference and you're stuck in a big room and it's pitch black. Or you go into a meeting room and there's absolutely no natural daylight. So where you have possibility and the control and you're setting up a team meeting, look for a meeting with daylight because the the daylight will energise your people in the room and energise you. So that's one thing. Mm. Um, Look for space as well. So the biggest, if you are working in your offices and you know you've got some decent sized meeting rooms, book them as early as possible for your team meetings because that way you've got space to move around and whilst a room in a hotel for 12 people you'll be stuck in a really small room so space is another thing to consider um in a team if you're in a meeting environment think about do i need tables do i need chairs do i want a stand-up meeting um i often get to meeting rooms early and suddenly turn into a furniture removal lady (laughs) and I'm taking out the potted plant that's not needed on a table. I'm moving tables physically out of the room because I want to create a space with just chairs. 
Um, I might be moving tables to the back of the room just to collapse. Um, or I might even be changing the configuration of a room of tables so that I can create a smaller working spaces that I want people to be in. So it does pay to have a think about what what's the environment look like and feel like. Other things as well that I bring into the environment are, um, I do use a lot of flip charts and, and at a minimum PowerPoint. So in the past when I was in corporate, PowerPoint was just the go-to default tool for any meeting. What I've noticed is the information flashes up on the screen so quickly it disappears and unless it's staying up on the wall for a good five or ten minutes there's just no point having it there. Mm. If you're discussing information that needs you know some robust thinking but it's like data have it printed out as a handout because I don't know how many times I've heard when I was in corporates I know you can't really see what's written up behind me, but this <laughs> is the really number. important. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's that important, blow it up so I can actually see it or give it to me physically in a handout, yeah. especially yeah. if you're in a, a team that's reviewing, I know, business numbers. Yeah. Um, and the use of posters is really valuable as well. So a lot of learning is done unconsciously and a lot of people take on information unconsciously. So if you've got key pieces of information that you want your teams to remember, Think about it up front and you can create really simple posters using flip chart paper with some big key messages on. Mm, that's nice. Yeah, I think my biggest learning is ventilation. Okay. Um, and always making sure that there's a backup, a fan handy, especially yes. in the summer. So I had an example yesterday. We were doing some learning with a team and the meeting room we had was just so hot. We ended up running the meeting upstairs. Yeah. Uh, around a table tennis table so we, we just transform the space and sometimes you've just got to get creative and yeah. think what can we do differently yeah even it's just too hot going outside or whatever you've got to be able to adapt and not force the issue yes definitely <laughs> okay let's move on to number four so number four is about you the manager so one of the things to really think about is whilst you've called the meeting and the meeting may be your responsibility so you're hosting your team meeting for example you don't have to do everything. Mm -hmm. So what we mean by that is, say it's a regular monthly meeting or a quarterly meeting, who in your team could you delegate to to do the logistics and book meeting rooms, sort out lunches, send out the meeting invite to the team. It's a really good way of starting to give other people responsibility in a sensible way. So yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. Um, you could also, you don't have to, do everything in the meeting itself as well. So what what could you again ask different people to do in terms of a session? And what I mean by that is, is there some learning that needs to happen? Is there um, a new product you're discussing? Could someone else take responsibility to bring that to life? Right. Could you bring in different people from the business as experts um, to run a session but you can brief them mm. on what it is, the outcome you're looking to achieve and potentially the style that you would like it delivered in so that you don't get the default PowerPoint <laughs> showing up again. Um, other things to think about for you as the individual is there are going to be times you need to share information or get people up to speed. That's fine, but keep it to a minimum. So the whole meeting isn't about you downloading. Yeah. Also, you might need to be bringing people to a way of thinking 
and the way you can do that is by asking them questions because again they're adults not kids so adults will have opinions and if you don't give people time to air their thoughts or share with you their ideas it's just going to pop up at another place in another time so think about the questions you can ask of your team so you're creating engagement with them you're creating connections you're getting their thoughts and their ideas out of their heads and also another one for us all to think about is how do you listen so all of us listen no a lot of us hear throughout the day yeah um but truly listening is more about listening to understand listen to learn versus listen to reply or listen to demonstrate your right Mm. which is a behavior a lot of us do a lot of the time so notice what you do when you're in your meetings yeah i think be aware of the questions that you ask because sometimes it can be perceived as challenging yes and and you know you're you do want to create the safe space for these ideas to come up and surface and flow so one of the things to think about is the two words in you want to use open questions versus closed questions Mm -hmm. so questions like what do you think how are we doing what can we do differently as a team how are we showing up internally in the business Mm. versus why are we behaving like this as a team why are we doing this the word why creates a challenge in people's heads it can the reaction you'll notice when you're not in great rapport with someone and you ask them a why question can be a defensive response mm-hmm. versus probably the response if you flipped it to a what are we doing internally as a team yeah. you're going to get a better set of responses very much and also it's just stop to cons- listen to your voice as well do you ask closed questions of your group all the time so do we do well as a team well <laughs> if we're being really facetious yeah we're doing well thanks yeah um do you want do you participate in learning events or versus what learning events are you Mm -hmm. participating in Mm -hmm. so you'll get different types of answers yeah and i think like just coming at it completely curious in your tone of voice Mm. you know like i'm just wondering not not leading or you know sometimes you can often you can actually come off as patronizing with a with a question and it's like, even just think about the tag at the beginning of the question of like, so tell me what, or help me understand more, yeah. or I'm really, cu- I'm genuinely curious to know. Yeah. But again, if your tone isn't sincere, the group will just sniff it out straight away. Totally. Totally. So yeah, just see it as an information gathering session yeah. than anything else. Definitely. And um, number five. Activities. Yes. So in longer meetings, sometimes I have a rule of thumb. You should never be sat down for more than 25 minutes before Mm -hmm. you do something. Um, And I have been in meetings where you are sat for hours at a time and people are just talking at you and there's no sense of engagement. And because of the way my brain is now structured, I'm all about how do you create engagement and how do you create um the group to get participation involvement so things to think about how you create engagement and how do you create it in a safe way that people want to join in so a couple of techniques for you uh one is called pair and share 
So imagine you are asking your group to share their thoughts, their ideas, or you want some feedback. If you just put a straight question out to a big group of adults, yes, you are going to get the noisiest person in the room with the opinion talking. However, because you're a great line manager, you know that other people in the room have a voice to add and lend to the idea. So a way to get around this is to just invite people to pair up with someone else and just talk through what you're asking them to talk through. So that's called pair and share. Um, you could ask people just to turn in their seat and talk to the person next to them. Yep. Or you can even just invite them to stand up and go and find someone across the room to talk to. Mm -hmm. That's just a great way of shifting people's energy. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Um, if you are doing a download of information, because that does have to happen, leave space at the end for questions so that you allow people to voice um, what they're thinking or even be able to ask an inquiry of what's just happened. Yeah. What if you don't get any questions? Is that a sign? So some managers that I've worked with have gone, well, I didn't have any questions. It means it was really clear. And I will sometimes go back with, or did it mean they didn't feel safe yeah. to ask? So you can do a couple of things. So if you haven't got that rapport with your team yet, that you don't get any questions back. Um, you could do the pair and share. So right. generate three questions that you want to ask. Mm. You can do snowballs. So you, everybody takes a piece of paper, they write down the question they want to ask, they screw it up, they throw it at you. <laughs> and that's quite a nice technique to do where maybe you've got a very senior person in the room yeah. and for whatever reason, you know, people just think, oh, I can't ask them a question. Yeah. No. But yeah. they will ask the question on a piece of paper and it's anonymous. Yeah. That they will then throw it and then all that happens is you pick up the snowballs and you just read the question out and you answer it cool um and then another activity um, i call is walk the wall mm -hmm. so you may be inviting the team to build on new ideas or give some feedback on a subject or you might be planning something for the future it would be really easy just to ask people to stay sat at their chairs and have a conversation Again, you want to put some energy back in the room. So think in advance and create some very simple posters that you can put up around the room whereby you then create a space to go and talk to a certain subject. And you can split the room up. So you probably want no more than five or six people at any one flip chart. Otherwise, people start to hide Yeah. Uh, in a bigger group and they don't have to participate and they don't have to think. The other thing you need to be seen to be doing as well in any of these activities is, as the manager is joining. Mm. So don't stand off to one side with your telephone or talking to someone else. Like, be seen, participate, and the group will be like, oh, you value this as much as we are. So they will keep participating as yeah. well. Yeah, awesome. I think those are all really five really great points and very practical as well, which is super important because think when you're learning it can all feel a bit you just stick to what you know and what yeah. we know is sit down and listen to me and <laughs> or we look to someone else that we value yeah who's run a great meeting and it could be really useful yet it might not be yeah everything that you want to do or appropriate for your yes. outcome yes that was great anything else you would add do you have any um you know res we're obviously going to link a bunch of these resources in the newsletter, but anything yeah. that you ha would recommend um, for managers that are looking to up their game and run meetings. meetings. 
there is um, a lady's book that I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's called Pam Hamilton, and her book is called The Workshop Cookbook. Mm. And it is rammed full of fantastic ideas on how to manage different types of meetings. So it's everything from the creative meeting through to the business meeting, through to the short meeting, to the long meeting. And in it, she gives templates for agendas and exercises. And there's just so much detail and information in there. Oh, great. So I would definitely recommend that, and we'll put a link to that. Yeah, I'm adding that to my uh, Amazon book order right now. Uh, Well, thank you, Christy. It's been absolutely fabulous to have you on. I've, I've learned a lot. Um, and I know that this will be make a lot of sense because I think everyone can identify to being in a bad meeting and everyone wants to make them better. So thank you for your uh, pro tips um, and looking forward to have you on again. Cool. Thank you.